0: G'day and welcome to The Call. 10 stocks picked by you. Two experts, one hour. It is Tuesday, the 27th of February. I'm Andrew Gagan. Great to have you with us here at OzBiz. Our two experts on the show today, Ben Clark from TMS Capital and Francesco destratus from Ord. welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Interesting time on the market at the moment, isn't it? Um, you can see what happened on Wall Street, of course, the frothiness around AI. Um, we're seeing it locally to in fact markets across the globe equity wise certainly moving higher FOMO in fact we're seeing it in in, um, All those it's all risk on particularly with crypto as well Ben does that concern you?
2: No, I think it's sort of normal bull market behavior. Um, We're in a bull market the the US continues to um, push all-time highs and we're now very close to our all-time high I guess, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the composition of the rally. It's really been so Um, concentrated in a number of stocks. But if you look at how those companies reported, you know, phenomenal earnings growth coming out of them. So um, I'm still um, like, you know, I think a correction is on the cards at some point, probably sooner rather than later, but I still think we're firmly in a bull market which kind of started, um, well, probably mid last year was when we'd we'd had that 20% jump off the low at the start of the year. So
0: still pretty bullish. Yep. All right. Fantastic. You do agree? Are you agree? Yeah.
1: No, look, I'd have to agree. I, I don't. Um, I think the bull market is probably a little bit premature. I think the market was probably anticipating a little bit softer approach on interest rates, and um, that, that's obviously not the case. And we saw with the Reserve Bank in their last meeting, um, their announcement basically saying we could go up or down. Um, I suspect they probably won't go up at this stage, but. Um, Inflation is still reasonably high, you know, Mm. relative to the the target range for our Reserve Bank and the Fed. You know, the Fed's target is two percent, and they're still a a bit above that. So I I suspect central banks won't be bringing rates down until we get a lot closer to that range. And maybe you know that correction that Ben mentioned. I'd, I'd anticipate that might be the case. It might be around the next meeting where they may not move again, and markets might Mm. be looking for something like that, and Mm. and that might sort of trigger. So there needs to be some sort of trigger for a little bit of a correction. I don't expect it going back a long way, but um, maybe 10% in the market.
0: You only have to cast your eye across the Tasman with the prospect that the RBNZ could lift rates.
1: Yeah, site. I hadn't seen that, but yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Well, certainly the tool yeah. at the
0: moment, which would be an interesting, uh, whether it says the President or not, uh, even talk in the States now about uh, the possibility they could hike once more. Um, yeah, interesting to see how that would play out, uh, particularly equity-wise. Well, let's uh, take a look at the first five stocks, and we're going to take a look at Origin, Fisher & Paykel, GPT, Pyrenex, and Breville. Stock of the day... Coles, the other big supermarket, of course, holding its dividend steady at $0.36 a share despite a drop in half-year net profit. Statutory net profit coming in at $589 million, down 8%, but above market expectations. Net profit from continuing activity slipping at 4% as the cost of doing business rises and moderating price increases at its top revenue generating supermarkets division impacted earnings where revenue was up 6.7%. Looking ahead, the company flagging uh, an increase to financing costs in the second half with earnings to be impacted by net loss on property of about $10 million, also reporting a 2% slip in liquor sales revenue in the first eight weeks of the third quarter, while supermarket sales revenue having risen 5% in that period. And uh, well, the market liking what it's hearing at the moment, uh, those shares up more than 6.5% in this morning's trade. Uh, Francesco how do you look at this result then maybe comparing it with Woolies certainly a cleaner looking result
1: I it? think that's what the market's doing just comparing it to Woolies and going yeah the Coles beat expectations from consensus and Woolies didn't so let's buy Coles instead of Woolies mm. um, but I, I, th- I personally think Woolies, um, you know, longer term is, is a better proposition, particularly where the share price has come back to now. Um, you know, the, the 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 fall in Woolies share price was a lot more to do with um, um, the, the management that rather than the results, I think. And, um, you know, I don't have a problem with the way Woolies appoint uh, new management. They mostly come from the shop floor, so there's good retail experience there. Um, and look, you know, I find it hard to be buying Coles now that it's rallied up as high as, as that chart shows you. But you know, all things pointing towards um, you know a good result f- for the full year for uh, Coles as well. So maybe there's probably a little bit more upside on the back of that. Um, I um, you know look at our recommendation now. Guys have gone to a lighten on this stock, um, I probably wouldn't be as harsh, but um, you know, I'd probably more at a hold. Do you reckon there is any regulatory risk
0: ahead, given the ACCC taking a look at
1: the supermarket dominance there? Um, Look, there's a lot of political pressures there at the moment. There is. Look, there's always regulatory pressure. Not in, in every industry. Um, you know, we've seen it in our industry over the last five yeah. years as well. Um, so it, it does. It's toll. at Yes, yeah. um, and it, it 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 does take its toll on on margin. But but the the yeah, Coles and Woolies, yeah, they're big enough to sort of navigate their way through regulatory issues um, and not incur uh, large expenses. Mm-hmm. Um, the smaller retailers probably not so much. But um, I think um, um, yes, it's a risk. Um, I don't think the the government can impose huge regulatory um, impositions on on the retailers. Otherwise, they're just going to it's not going it, to it'll increase their costs. So therefore, all it's going to do is squeeze their margins, and retailers aren't going to be better. Oh, uh, sorry, consumers aren't going to be better off for it. Really. Yeah, yeah. Ben, what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah,
2: pretty pretty with Francesco and all of that. I, I think. Um, the surprise has more been that everyone was expecting this was probably an industry-wide slowdown as flagged by Woolies and it has turned out not to be um the analysts is always interesting in results what's moves and one of the big things they did well in the last half was theft they, they had a mm. lot of issue with theft in their stores and they've seemed to have um really stamped that out and that's that's been a good um win for the business but look I like I, I reckon Woolies does look interesting um if you keep, dollar or two cheaper, I think it would start to look like a pretty good buy. Like, you know, you've got a bit of a messy CEO transition, um, the regulatory talk, and I don't think there's any regulatory threat to the supermarkets. Um why well, you think
0: it's all talk at the moment is it
2: well what like what are they going to do you know that the only thing they can do is potentially force them to lose some market power but all that's going to do is like Francesco said that you know you're buying a million dove deodorants or three million it's cheaper if you buy three million and the margins that the supermarkets aren't making crazy well
0: the consumer can't margins. exactly walk can they Well, the, they'll the just end
2: one. up paying more yeah you know which will fuel inflation and everyone will be worse off so yeah they've Maybe they've got too much market power, but that's where they are at. And I, I don't see that getting unwound. And plus, you know, like Amazon, et cetera, they are continuing to grow very aggressively in this country. They're, that would be the biggest free kick for an offshore multinational that you could probably give if you did do something there. So it's complicated. And I, I think it was more, Brad Benadouche, like that, it was not well handled that last little bit, but he was actually really well regarded in the market. It's easy to forget Woolies was in a lot of trouble when he took over. They'd Mm. had a terrible time. And I think he did a great job riding the ship and returning the business to growth. Um, And I think it was more the market was sort of disappointed he was moving on.
0: All right. So So hold on Coles. Yep.
2: And I reckon Woolies is getting close to a buy. Yeah. And I reckon these stocks, to me, they're kind of more trading stocks. Like neither of them are growing particularly strongly you mm. saw that last share price chart of Coles it's gone nowhere for five years um, so you, these are kind of the stocks you want to buy when they're really out of favour yeah and potentially let them go a bit into um, some strength
0: yeah actually Francesca would you agree on that so you, you would have a hold on it as well um, okay. Coles
1: or yeah Yes, uh, we've got our analysts got a line, but I would prefer probably Lising. more of a li- over hold. Yeah, um, I'm probably a little bit more optimistic um, on Woolies. I'd right. probably be happy buying for the long term now. Yeah, um, if you know if Ben's talking more from a short term trade perspective, yeah, there might be a little bit more downside in Woolies, but sure, I wouldn't expect a huge amount more. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it'd be fascinating on your point to see whether Amazon does make does enter the market. It's bizarre supermarket, isn't it? Where you don't yeah. actually pull out your credit card or your money. Yeah. It scans it, it Based as on video evidence of what you've picked off the I, shelf, I, yeah. and I then it automatically
1: deducts. I think we're a bit far... Uh, <laughs> we've got a fair way to go before right. we get to that, well, that level. Well, they're doing it in the States. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, 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 sus- I suspect it's not working as well as they, they <laughs> thought it might. Um, and and you, you remember the last time Woolies fell out of favour was when rumours were that... Amazon's coming to Australia yeah. and it was going to take over everything in the retail space and it's just not the f- fact that, you um, know. It, and the time a, before
2: that was when Audi was coming to Australia Audi, and Lindell and everyone and was freaked about well, it. Well, now yeah.
1: they're talking again about
0: Lindell, aren't they? It's, it's going to, they are. Uh, to to me,
2: they're, they're, those guys are the ones that seem to be in trouble. I, I, I think Coles and Woolies are so entrenched that the sites that they operate out of, it's like Bunnings, you know, it's almost impossible to replicate those mm. sites. Um so, the long term threat is probably people going online and buying bulk products in, from Amazon, but yep. that's going to be a long, slow burn. Um, but Costco's
1: in, in Australia, and yep. you know, that's a bulk thing, but you know, yeah. People, uh, uh, yeah. And anecdotally it, my wife goes to costco once a quarter to buy the bulk stuff well it's probably like, going to schlepp it out three kids believe, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well it is it's a bit of a hike number yeah. one number two is you've got to have the storage space and a lot of people yeah. are scaling down that. into apartments yeah, things like that. So, so yeah buying bulk is not as popular as people might have thought in the past
0: all right, so that is our stock of the day, Coles. Right, let's get into the stocks as picked by you. The first one being Origin Energy, uh, the Gentailer, of course, uh, seen a strong performance both across its electricity and gas business. Their results above expectations, EBIT around 19%, uh, higher than expected. Um, and I focus, I guess, on, well, it's this part of this... Um, move to renewables with the Erring uh, plant there to be retired uh, over between FY26 and 28 as it moves into battery investments and underwriting its renewable offtake at the same time. Uh, ben, how do you view Origin?
2: Um, it's a really tricky one. I mean, I'd start by saying that the the fear that the um, investment bankers were spreading about this bid not going through is proven to be completely... Um, unheralded, like that the share price now is almost trading where the actual bid was. So, mm. you know, Brookfield would have got this business for a steal if they had have walked away um, with Origin Energy. So that, that, like you have to say, that was a, um, a tick. They had a, a ripping result. It was a mile ahead of market expectations. Um, although this is a very volatile uh, business, I would say, in terms of what its earnings do half to half. The highlight for this business seems to be um, the Octopus Energy investment that they've got, um, uh, you know, which, whose valuation just goes up and up and up, and they own 23% of that company. It's seen as one of the biggest electricity distributors globally now. Uh, so look, it looks cheap. It's had a great result, it's on a good yield. The question is, what are they gonna need to spend on this um, transition? And how capital intensive is it gonna be? It sounds like they'll need to raise capital to do it, and I'm just not sure how that plays out. So I'll say a hold because I think on aside from that future path that they're going to take, um, it it looks cheap and and the earnings are, are moving in the right direction. Uh, but we've all we all I think are aware that there is going to have to be a lot of capital that they're going to need to invest. It's how much capital, you know, what sort of return do they get off that? Etc. Cetera, Etc.
0: Cetera. Francisco, yeah. I mean, look at the. I mean, that uh, that share price where it is at the moment. How do you view it then in terms of value? And uh,
1: yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm with Ben. We've got a whole recommendation. on and I, I tend to agree with that. Although the metrics look much more attractive over the next couple of years. Um, the, the valuation our analyst has got on I think he hasn't updated it since the takeover because he's got a $9 <laughs> uh, um, valuation on it. But, but on a PE multiple and, and dividends look, look very attractive. Um, but what Ben mentioned was you know, financing you know, the, the expansion and so forth. Um, I, I read somewhere that Australian Super, which is the largest shareholder of... Um, assured them that they will assist in, in financing or you know capitalising it. So, so I think there's probably a lot of work being done at the moment that they're, they're starting to shore up a bit of funding for CapEx mm. down the track. So if that happens, um, um, I think it's probably going to be a bit more positive on my light. I'd look at it in a more positive range. Um, but if they do have to go back to market or, or, or attract other Uh, institutional shareholders I'd I'd be concerned at what sort of um, deal would be done on it but um, you know the results the result just released was was, uh, uh, quite good some parts of it were ahead of expectations Um, I do like the metrics on it but um, as with Ben I I think um, you know understanding how they're going to finance their expansions is is the key as that transition eventuates all
0: right let's move now on to Fisher & Paykel Healthcare Uh, Picked by Roger, Uh, saw a bit of the expected results uh, in the first half off the back of its some strong growth, particularly in its um, sleep apnea mask business, there with consumable sales the surprise essentially, um, and also a 5% beat on its home care within that hospital segment as well. Francesco?
1: I'm I'm not sure, but didn't they have a recall on their their CPAP machine? No, that was Philips. That was was Philips. Yeah. Okay. Because I heard. I I heard Fisher Paykel mentioned in the same breath so I I wasn't real sure well same Um, benefit but yeah of course Um, look we've got a whole recommendation I don't follow these guys too closely I don't think there's a great deal of upside in them Um, you know on a on a PE metric, they look very, very expensive um, based on our analysts' uh, numbers. You know, they've got them on a, on a 57 times for, for 2024 and 48 times. So there's growth there, but should it be trading you know, that high? I don't think so. Um, you know, if you want to put it into a healthcare stock because of that, maybe, you know, a high PE is warranted, but not that high, you know, low dividend yield. Yeah, I, I'd, I mean, we've got to hold on it, but I'd I'd avoid it personally. Right. Okay. Ben.
0: Um, yeah, I'd be more
2: positive on it. I mean, look, this this company, as many have, has had a really weird path through COVID where it had this like full blown boom in demand. You know, it sells a lot of um, hospital products for sure. lung and breathing um, issues. Uh, and then um, in 2022 and 2023, it was cycling against these incredibly strong times and the hospitals arguably over ordered and you know they didn't order as much. Access. Well, it's reflected in the share price, isn't it? Yeah. So it's been a weird it's been a weird four or five years for them. But I, you know, if you looked at a ten year chart of this company, it would be one of the best best in in the market. And um, I'd be able to buy it. Look, I'd agree it does look expensive, but it always has looked expensive. It's for me one of the higher quality businesses um, on the market. Uh, it's a New Zealand-based company, very entrepreneurial and innovative, uh, and it's now sort of so it it reported in uh, November, so its its results going to be upcoming in May. It's on a different end financial year, and the, the 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 November result was very much a return to that long-term growth trajectory after this very weird period and. Um, the only other thing I'd add is I think ResMed, you know, there has been this Azempic effect with a lot of these stocks and concerns around, particularly last year, what Azempic could do for these businesses. And I think that's really starting to peter out now.
1: I think that was over, overdone massively
2: no kidding (laughs) it's like we're all gonna well the thing is
1: sleep apnea not everyone develops sleep apnea from from obesity so there's there's a part of the market that's that's only
2: one third of sleep apnea patients are obese
1: obese and if you contract sleep apnea from obesity and then you lose the weight and you're no longer obese you don't necessarily lose the sleep apnea at the same time Mm because it's got more to do with the uh, Physiology of uh, right. yeah, the throat. Yeah, the throat and the skin and that. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I think it was massively overdone on companies like, you know, Fisher Paykel, Well, or what, ResMed, I mean, like Philips.
2: McDonald's, Coca-Cola, they fell like 30% last year on no bad news because suddenly everyone had decided that no one was going to go and eat these kind of foods or drinks. Yeah. It was just this... It was like that. Those classic global hedge fund mass fear. You know they're all max short. Anyway, we're getting off the topic. Resmed, I think, is the pick of the two. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think that's still in the recovery mode and looks cheaper, but I'd still buy Fisher and Paykel.
0: Yep. All right. Moving on now to GPT, uh, as picked by Corney Property Investment Company, owns and actively manages portfolio of uh, office logistics and retail assets. Uh, latest results were in line with uh, with estimates, um, despite those obviously troubles we're seeing in retail. Also, uh, office, uh, which does I guess remain its weakest link in its portfolio. Um, ben, GPT.
2: Okay, so REITs really, like really out of favour last year. Um, this one continues to be I think mainly because of that office exposure. About a third of its portfolio is office. Um, The stock is currently trading at a 20% discount to asset backing, and um, those um, assets um, were independently revalued at the end of um, last year, so it should be fairly up to date. Uh, It's on a a yield of about 5.5%. The only thing I'd be a little bit careful on this one is the gearing levels. Um, So gearing's at about 29%, and um, that's just potentially starting to get a little bit high and it's not the only one in the space. So the thing a lot of the fundies are really laser focused on with all the property trusts is when they've got debt coming up for refinancing because um, they will be refinancing at significantly higher interest rates and it's not like they can then go to the tenants and say, hey, we're going to you know, up your rents because um, our costs of debt have gone up. So. I wouldn't be surprised this year if you see um, some capital raisings across a number of property trusts to get those debt levels back down. Um, I think it's a hold, you know, 20% discount, that looks pretty attractive to me. But um, so just give you a couple of numbers here 28.5% gearing levels, um, only 70% of that is hedged, and it's all going to roll off in the next two and a half years, and their average cost of debt fund is at the moment 5.2. So if rates kind of stay where they are-ish, maybe they come off a bit, they're going to come on to like 7% rates for sure, um, and you've got a big increase in your interest costs, um, which is going to put pressure on that yield. So, um, But it's not like the market's unaware of that, that's why it's trading at a big discount to asset backing. and. Retail and logistics, I think, are actually doing pretty. They're doing okay. It's not like it's all in office. So I'll go go a and hold, Andrew.
1: Yep.
0: Okay, Francesca.
1: Yeah. Look, I'm probably a little bit more optimistic on on the property side of things. Um, I think um, the market's already factored in a lot of the the rate changes. Um, I notice here that um, you know the the interest cover um, um, is about four times this year Um, and into next year it goes down to about three so I mean if it got much lower than that I'd be really concerned but um, look I don't think there's much more in upside in in interest rates anyway. So there, you know, if there is a interest rate rise here in Australia, you know, we might see one percent. Well, sorry, mm. one one interest rate rise. Um, so I think you know the the more risk to the downside on the interest rate. So i we're, we're on a sort of an accumulate recommendation, not sort of it is an accumulate recommendation on on GBT. All the other things that that Ben mentioned are 100 percent correct. Um, and you mentioned the office. So, you know I think officer. Uh, uh, probably in a in a weak spot at the moment, and you can see that around Sydney. Um, and I'm mm. sure other capital cities would be the same. Um, and their retail, I'm not too concerned with. Um, I think a lot of their their retail stuff is is the smaller to mid sized retail rather than your big footprint stuff, which is probably where the um, I suppose the the defensiveness is in the retail sector. So uh, we've got to accumulate on the on the stock.
0: All right, that's GPT. Moving on to, well here's a stock I don't think I've ever covered before, and that's probably um, an indicator of that is um, struggling how to pronounce the correct pronunciation <laughs> of the name, Empiridix. Uh, well off the to tone will do. Yeah, all right. It is a, uh, it's a developer of, well, f- formerly Hyperion Metals, why did they change the name? Um, developer of low carbon, sustainable, critical material supply chains, focused on uh, those advanced industries, aerospace, space, EVs, 3D printing.
1: All right, Francesco, what can you tell us? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, um, this is the first time I've looked at this as well. Right. It's a, yeah. Um, it, initially, when you look at the, the profile of this company, it says it's a, a titanium mining, but it's actually not. It's, it looks like they've, um, they've developed some um, plant that um, will recycle titanium um, and produce titanium products. Um, so... I don't think they're operational yet. I think they're going to be operational in the second quarter of this year, it says here. Um, so, so it'll be interesting to see how they progress from there. I haven't got any numbers on it, so it's hard for me to say, yeah, look, you should be buying it. But but I think, you know, if you look at that chart there, there's a lot of anticipation in, um, you know, the, the, the capex that's gone through the place. So it's almost at operational level. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the operational costs come out at um, and what the revenues come out at to, to get a better grasp of what the potential um, valuation is on it at this stage. Um, I, I'd say I'd need a closer look at sort of how that progresses because it looks like all the upside from the, um, the capex and the operations are built into that share price. So now it's about, well, how is it going to operate in the next sort of, 12 to 18 months. So too early. Too early for me. Yes. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, no. Uh, ben. Yeah. Goodness. Look at that share price. There is a lot built in there, isn't there?
2: There is. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, I, I don't have a lot to add on. I'd never heard of this company either. Um, it is dual listed on the NASDAQ. So, um, you know, there's...
1: I didn't see that. Yeah.
2: yeah. So that maybe just adds a bit of weight to the share price. Um, because it looks like they're operating almost all out of America. They've been getting some government grants in the U.S. Like the million-dollar question is: once this plant does go into operation, what what earnings is it actually going to generate? I've, what What's the titanium price? I've got no idea. So
1: looks like they've got contracts to... Yep. to, to, to
2: yeah, and they've with, got some them, customers, America, customers lined up. So, yeah, they've got yeah. customers
1: lined up. But they've the got a $500 million oh.
2: market capitalization. Yes. And they've got $17 million in cash. And they're burning $4 million a quarter. And these things typically, you know, they, they take longer to come on and they cost more than you yeah. think. And half a billion dollar market cap, that's... Yeah.
1: Punchy. I would say if you own it and you bought it, you know, some time ago, yeah. you'd be thinking about not take, selling the lot, but at least take your cost, at least 100%. take your cost base off the table, and say, yeah. well, I have got a free ride from here, uh, because, um, as Ben mentions, you know, if they if they do. Um, miss their deadline on, on operations and they've got to push it out another quarter or so, that share price is not going to be where it is now. That's for sure. You know, the, the market won't treat it too kindly. I mean, it's not going back to where it was at five cents there or anything like that, but it, it, it will get um, pushed back. So, uh, would I be buying it? No, I'd be looking... You know, if, if you're interested in that thing, as Ben mentioned, you need earnings uh, now that it's going to be operational.
0: Mm. All right. Um, so, both agree, essentially, take his profit on that if you've been in it particularly you've ridden it uh this high all right let's uh move to breville now it is the manufacturer and retailer of kitchen products and those small electric appliances that no doubt you've probably got one sitting in your pantry somewhere Um, and uh well we saw the first half result there it was a share price was uh, pretty severely punished um and uh interestingly it didn't really offer discounts as as we've seen a lot of retailers in that space at the moment and uh, I guess that's many uh, brokers pointed the fact that as a result we saw its revenue fall uh, certainly from consensus forecasts there. Ben, what's your view on Breville? Uh,
2: yeah, the market didn't like this result. The, the result actually when you look at the the, the the bottom line numbers came in pretty in line but it was the composition of the numbers the market didn't like. So. Um, Margins were much higher, but sales were were quite a bit lower than expected. Um, And they said that that sales, um, which is held up much well, yeah, the sales momentum um, sort of dragged into the new um, start to the new financial uh, new calendar year. So um, that was a surprise. Apparently, DeLonghi and a couple of their main competitors have been reporting quite strong sales growth and. Um, the market was a bit wrong-footed by that sales number, and as you said, Andrew, margins were strong um, because there was a lack of of discounting. This is a really good business, I reckon. Um, they pump a lot of money back into R and D, which they expense off their off their um, bottom line, and they've been a very innov- innovative business, um, one that's truly managed to go offshore and have success. Uh, so. I think it's a hold, and um, as you've seen in that chart, there it can be very volatile the share price. It's got a really good CEO, um, and he's willing to um, sort of look through short term um, fluctuations in sales for long term success. So I'd say a hold, and you know, if you can get it on a bit more of a dip, I'd say it's a buy.
0: All right, well, at sort of what level, when you say a bit of a dip, what sort of level would you be thinking?
2: I, I think if you could get it sort of mid 20s, something like that. Mm. Um, retail stocks are volatile, um, they seem to run in and out of favour frequently, as we've seen with a number of them this year. And um, it's one that you want to buy on a, a solid dip, and I think you get plenty of opportunities through a year to do that.
0: Moreover, with the retailers, have you been surprised the the resilience we've seen in all of those stocks?
2: Um, yeah, I have, but all, like, I have, but I haven't because I, I think the analysts got very um, not negative. Well, they got very conservative running into these results season and what they were going to produce. So, sort of like the bar that they had to jump over kept getting pushed lower, and they were able to achieve that. Um, so, you know, you, you kind of look at the results, and you wouldn't say like they like. Even JB Hi-Fi, sales actually weakened off somewhat. It was just a lot better than expected, or a lot less than expected. And they've all been very good, I think, with cost control, and managing inventory, and like well run. And 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 so the bottom lines have held up a lot better than expected, and that's been the surprise. They were cheap, you know. Like, a lot of these stocks were trading on sub-12 mm. times PEs, good yields.
1: All right, Francesco, Breville? Breville, yes. Um, the result was, um, like you say, a, a bit below what analyst expectations, but the the earnings actually grew. So, you know, mixed numbers. Um, the share price fall um, from the result. Our, our guys upgraded their recommendation to an accumulate, um, but the share price bounced back pretty quickly. So yeah. um, I, I think that window may have closed, or if not, it's pretty close to it because they've got a, a valuation at 26.50. Um, I'm not sure where it's, trading today. Uh, 27 plus at the moment. Well, so yeah, we'd be probably more of a hold than an than accumulator at this point in time. I can't disagree with anything uh, that Ben said, although our analyst does see that there there is opportunities for them to um, gain some more organic sales growth. Um, um, so I, I like that aspect of it. But, but you know, in general, this this... Business and others like it, like you say, DeLonghi, and they're, they're in a nice little spot because, really, yeah, yeah, for another competitor to come in, it'd be quite difficult. Um, and. Yeah, you know, these products that they manufacture are throwaway items nowadays. It's you know, my toaster blew up. Well, you don't go and get it fixed like you did forty or fifty years ago. You throw the damn thing Sorry, away. You fix the toaster? They used to back in the day. Yeah, not my time. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> my dad's time. Uh, but they used to. Yeah, back in the day, they'd, they'd yeah. get a toaster or a kettle. That you'd mm-hmm. get the new element for it. They just throw them away now and yep. get another one. And they they're 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 actually um, priced quite nicely for that. Yeah, part of the market so um, look I like the business very well but again it's at what price and now I think that it's bounced back from its sell off from the result I think it's probably more a hold
0: alright okay so that uh, wraps the first half then let's uh, review where we've been there now stock of the day was Coles um, with Woolies having reported last week of course uh, with a lot of noise around that result um, so uh, Francisco, well, in fact, both Ben and Francisco saying they prefer Woolies, given where it's fallen to, seeing better value there. Francisco has a light on Coles and Ben a hold to so the stocks as picked by you the first one being uh, origin energy look it is a hold from both uh ben saying it did have a ripping result does look cheap there is a question over its uh, energy transition though to renewables which was reiterated there by francesco as well although he says it is um well it is the spend on on capex essentially uh which is uh, remaining of concern fisher and pikel uh healthcare that is um, Francesca has a hold on it, um, or was it an avoid? We've got to both down. In fact, did you originally go for? <laughs> <Yeah>. a...
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it's I a think. I think our recommendation is is um, is a hold. But I. I oh, but you I, would I'd... tend to avoid it. Yeah. All right.
0: Okay. Thumbing your nose at the brokers there. Um, yeah. Look, seeing it as very expensive at this point, whereas Ben has a buy on it. It always looks expensive, but he's saying that's because it's a quality stock. Although Ben does prefer ResMed in that space. Uh, GPT, and just in terms of the property group there, uh, Ben is where the gearing levels, particularly, uh, does have a hold on it. Um, Francisco is more optimistic on property than Ben is, um, and AUDS uh, has an accumulate on GPT. Empurinix, uh, or however you'd like to pronounce it, um, it is a no from Francesco. Look, it's just a bit speculative. Share prices had an amazing run uh, too early, he says. And well, on that note, in fact, um, both would say, if you've ridden it to these levels, take some profit. And Breville, a hold from both. All right. Um, now we don't have our update on our portfolio today, but we do have a reminder for you for our subscriber survey. It is open until March the eleventh, so we'd love for you to have your say. Um, just only takes a couple of minutes to fill out and uh, makes us well makes us better, so we can better inform you. So and just to uh, improve that deal, uh, there's an enticement there uh, with a managed investment portfolio being offered from MPC Markets, worth five thousand dollars. Other prizes as well you can go to ausbiz.co slash survey24. Get onto it, let's hear from you. All right, the second half of the show, we're gonna take a look at Genesis Energy, Dalrymple Bay Infrastructure, Index, Australian Agricultural Company, and Imugene. All right, let's start with Genesis Energy. This one uh, picked by uh, Ricardo, does generate electricity from a portfolio of thermal and renewable. Energy uh, did post a. In fact, I'm uh, just seeing a note from odds there, Francisco posting a weak first half as expected because uh, of lower hydroelectric output uh, but higher operating costs because of a spend on IT and general inflation costs there. So, Francisco, let's start with you then what you thought of okay. Genesis
1: Energy. Yeah, you mentioned operating costs. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they've it 's been a bit of a feature of their results in the past that um you know there's been some negative surprises on the operating side of things and the expenses so um i i, I you know I, I I think it looks a bit expensive um the analyst has a hold on it but you know it doesn't mean he doesn't think it's expensive i i I'd, I'd say that um, um you know there's i think there's better Opportunities. I mean, we spoke about Origin earlier. I'd be probably more inclined to take the bet on you know them financing their capex um, um, uh, effectively than than maybe Genesis Energy. So um, I'd, I'd stay away from this. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Not keen,
2: Ben. Uh, yeah, it's not one I really follow. Um, it's this is a New Zealand business that's dual listed on the ASX. Um, I just had a very quick look at their result. Um, it seemed like it was in line with expectations, as Francesco said, some issues, slight issues on the cost side. It's trading on 19 times forward, um, 5% yield. Uh, they've got this an aspirational target of hitting $500 million um, in revenue, that must be, um, which looks like it's a bit above where most analysts are. Uh, so there's potentially some upside if they can achieve that. Um, but I'd agree better um, alternatives. You know, we've seen some weakness right across the infrastructure stocks in this interest rate environment and the other ones I'd be looking at as
0: well. All right. So simply not interested. Yep. Yeah. That's a no from both on Genesis Energy. Let's move now to Dalrymple Bay Infrastructure. This one picked by Valerie it does provide terminal infrastructure and services uh, for producers and consumers with a focus on coal exports at the Bowen Basin. Uh, earnings grew by 8% in the first half driven by growth in its terminal infrastructure charge. Um, ben, report.
2: Yeah, uh, this is a tricky one. It's also one I haven't really looked at. Um, it's on a good yield and, and I think this is a sort of stock that's always going to look pretty cheap because there's a lot of ESG money now that can't invest in into um, businesses such as this. But you know, like it's, it's, it's punching out a 7% yield. Um, it trades on a pretty undemanding PE. And this is, you know, highly sought after infrastructure that ultimately is going to continue to be um, required for many years to come. So um, it probably looks, I, I'm going to say a whole, the only thing I didn't like about it is it's got a lot of debt, um, which I guess, you know, most infrastructure stocks do have. And, you know, with the pretty consistent and strong cash flows they generate. Um, you probably want them to have some debt, but it's it's got over $2 billion in debt on its balance sheet. Um, and again, as that debt does continue to revolve and, and c- come off and mature and get refinanced, the, the debt costs are gonna eat into the earnings of the asset, I would expect. But if, aside from that, um, I think it looks okay. So I'll, I'll say a whole.
0: What about, future coal volumes, what we're likely to see and how that's likely to impact the business?
2: Well, they should continue to rise, I I suspect, and, um, uh, you know, like the Bowen Basin is going to continue to be producing coal for decades to come, Um, yes, it's probably not going to, you know, it's it's probably going to be a fairly steady state of production if you've got mines on 20-year mine lives producing X. Yes, there won't be new mines, I would say, opening up, and that helps to increase volumes. But um, I don't think this asset really requires that. So, um, and you've got to remember, the, um, the 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 revenues can, in some cases, be linked to um, these take a pay agreements, but also to what prices the um, the the producers are receiving for their coals. So there can be a linkage there. Um, so I wouldn't be overly worried about that, Andrew.
1: All right. Francisco? yeah, I'm a bit bent on that. Um, mostly metallurgical coal coming out of the Bowen Basin, so you know, there's not a lot of um, alternatives when it comes to steelmaking. When you need you need that metallurgical coal, um, this this asset has been around for a long time. It's been a very good asset for a long time. Uh, it's been through a lot of different ownerships. Big time, yeah. You know, prime infrastructure fund, and then it was. I think Babcock and Brown owned it in one of their funds back in the yeah. heady days before Hastings, the GFC. facing. Brookfield owned it for a little yeah. while, I think. Yeah. So it's been through a lot of ownerships. It's a long-term asset. So, you know, Ben mentioned the debt high, typical for a um, uh, infrastructure stock to have quite a bit of debt because it's a long-term asset. Um, uh, and it, it, yeah, I think you know you'll be seeing coal coming through that. Bowen basin for quite some time, decades to come has been highlighted. Uh, from point of view, I mean, we have no coverage on the stock um, single assets is always a concern. You know, I like infrastructure stocks that have multiple assets because uh, if one of the assets slows down or has uh, you know a shutdown, uh, unexpected shutdowns or something like that, then that can affect their 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 earnings. Uh, and can affect fines as well, because some of the contracts that that these coal miners might have is that if they can't be pumping coal through the terminal um you you need to help us fund us as well yeah. so so I'd be a little bit you know wary of that so without coverage, I'd like to say hold because uh, I do like the asset, but just being a single asset um concerns me
2: yeah that's a, that's a good, I hadn't thought about that that's a good point it's um you know things can go wrong, and it's You've got a lot of debt, um, mm. uh, that, that is an issue.
0: Nothing to fall back on. Okay, that is Dalrymple Bay Infrastructure. Moving on to Mining Services Index. Uh, it is a mining tech company and uh, essentially enables cost-effective operations for exploration to production, uh, has cloud-connected sensors, drilling optimization products, uh, helping identify and extract those mineral resources.
1: Um, Francesco. Yeah, look, I suppose this, um, again, yeah, we don't have coverage of this. It's um, a stock that I think we covered about five, six years ago, but um, I don't know why the coverage dropped. Maybe the analysts have moved on. Um, but, um, yeah, they're products that, that the mining or the drilling companies require to be you know servicing their rigs and um, um, supporting their, their, their drilling programs. Um, I'm just not 100% certain of what the the income coming through the business is, but looking at general information on revenue, revenue's been growing over the last four years consistently. Uh, profits have been growing, except for in 23, um, they've dropped a little bit there, but that might have something to do with debt, so I don't know what the debt is there. Return on equities, Pretty good is around the 10% or above. Um, So, I mean, it's a promising looking company. Um, I'd need to do a little bit more work on on the numbers to see where, um, you know, costs are and and how volatile the costs are. But um, I like the business, let's put it that way. So I'm going to say it's probably a positive for me. But I'd need to look at the numbers, a, so I'd
0: a say positive
1: oh. to the point of bias. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. but I'd need to do a little bit more work on the numbers and see the how the cost structures are. But um, you know, I do. I still like the mining services area. You know, there's a lot of companies out there with new technologies that are assisting mining companies. Um, a good example was a a, a company that um, we were asked I don't know some months ago now on this program um, called Chrysos. Uh, which never heard of, and then do a little bit more digging and, and you discover that this is new technology that uh, assists the mining companies and improves their efficiencies in that, you know, core samples are analysed in two to three minutes instead of mm-hmm. three to four hours. So so these sort of companies uh, can improve efficiencies of of the mining company. So I'm really interested in having a, a bit more look at the cost structure of that, but the products I like.
0: Yep. Well, you know, it's uh, once again, it's focused on picks and shovels, isn't it? Right. Yeah, I'm yeah. Sure and like and look, you
1: know, the, whilst, whilst, you know, a, a bit of the, the, the mining sector is not front and centre like it was back in mining boom days, you know, because iron ore prices aren't up to the heady levels and, you know, some of the other commodity prices, but they're still digging away. They're still, you know, got to produce, uh, mm. you know, tonnage. Um, so, yeah, I do like this space.
0: Yeah, in fact, it did have a strong first half. uh, 11% beat on EBIT. Ben, what are your thoughts then?
2: Yeah, look, I I haven't had a close look at this one for some time either, but it did look like a good result. And the revenue and the margins did look well ahead of market. bit similar to those retailers. I think expectations were quite low. Um, I think they do a fair bit of work in things like lithium and, and some of those other industries now. but. I remember this coming out of the oil and gas sort of space and helping um, producers target, you know, more accurately. And there's always, to me, it's always made a lot of sense. You know, if you're going to spend $50 million drilling one test well, um, hoping to find something, if you want the best technology to try and increase the chances of hitting something because it's a game-changing thing if you do mm. and you're spending so much money anyway. So I agree. Like, I reckon there's a lot of logic for these businesses, but they are very volatile, like the earnings are volatile, the, the sentiment's volatile. It's trading, it looks like, on about 14 times next year's earnings. Um, probably feels like that's about right, so I'll say hold. Okay.
0: Well, do you have a preferred play in mining services that you sort of uh, looking
2: No, at the moment? no. Don't own
1: any mining services really?
2: stocks, no. So, um, despite what I've just said, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe you take a look
1: at that. Yeah. Another one's Austin Engineering, which is, um, put out a result today and was is still a result. Um, okay. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what the share price did after it, but um, um, you know, put out. It used to be like Bracken. That is, yeah, yeah you know, but, but Austin, a Austin does a lot of the the. the, the um, what do you call it, the, the dump trucks, the yeah. you know, the, um, the actual trays, the trays and, and all, all that sort yeah. of stuff. And yeah. Yeah, the mining companies, are, it's cheaper for them to throw the tray away and get a new one uh, than it would be to repair them. So yeah. there's some interesting businesses out yeah, there yeah. that service the mining companies.
0: Yeah. Interesting you should say that. Uh, its share price is down 6%. Wow. 20. There you go. However... Over the past six months, up almost 50 Yeah,
1: yeah, over the last six months, it's been doing well. Sure. But it's not very liquid, and it's hard to sort of get a grasp of those sort of stocks.
0: Okay, moving on to, well, we're remaining outdoors, in fact, aren't we, with Australian Agricultural Company. Um, it is the uh, the cattle and beef producer. Um, interesting to see what cattle prices have done. They've rallied uh, since the first half, in fact. Um, ben, what are your thoughts?
2: This is just way too hard for me. Um, (laughs) It's so like you're you're throwing a dart at a dartboard to try and work out what this business will earn year to year. There's so many factors outside of its control. I think everyone will agree they've got really, um, really high quality assets. And we know that the whole argument about protein and, you know, we've seen that, Agricultural prices have been very strong, but the problem is this business has really struggled to make any money on a year to year basis from these incredible assets. And you know, you look in the last half year, I think it lost about $100 million. Um, its NTA is $2.39 and the share price is So This is like an asset play to me. It, I wouldn't be surprised someone could just come out and take this company out um, and take a differing long-term view to what our share market can. But yeah, too trouble hard. with these
1: sort of assets though, is you've got an NTA on it, but if you go to sell it, what's ra- it actually reality, worth? Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: And it's got it does have debt. It's got half a billion dollars in debt. Um, so in net debt, uh, so it's it's got a weird share register. It's 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 got some. Um, <laughs> colourful characters on the register who own very large stakes in it um,
1: well the, the, there's two shareholders own 70 just under 71 or just over 71% Twiggy's got just under mm. 20 um, and uh, Brian Ginton's got uh, about 50, 50 something yeah so I don't know how that works but um, yeah
2: um, I'm not sure like
0: Sounded like a no to it's me. It's a no. Yep. Okay. <laughs> what sure. engine, yeah. uh,
1: Francesco. Look, uh, when this company first emerged, I, I thought it was a great concept, you know, diversification of um, of regions, if you like. So if you've got a bad season in one area, then the other area probably wouldn't have a bad season because c- cattle stations, but it's not just cattle stations. They've got cattle station, feedlot and um, processing plant up in the Northern Territory, I think it is. Um, so they got some massive, of land in pretty barren and unwanted places yeah. Yeah. <laughs> where the where the cattle breed. Uh, they would um, the, I would call this vertically vertically integrated because they would take them from the, the massive cattle stations, um, then to the feedlots where they fatten them up, uh, and then to the processing plant where they you know slaughter and process and and sell off some of them go to market live cattle um, export as well i would imagine um but um again i, I you're you're exposed to one commodity mm. cattle prices mm. um you know i would have liked to have probably seen a little bit more diversity maybe a bit of cropping in there as well to to bring it all together mm. um so I, i'm probably more a hold on this one than than anything else um but i, I do like the concept um but you know, there's a lot of exposure to one commodity, being cattle. Um, yeah, and, apparently- and, and it's surprising in our market we don't have a great deal of agriculture or, no. or great deal of selection. The amount of clients are saying, "I oh, want to expose to some agriculture." Mm. Oh, all right, we'll start looking. <laughs> and
2: look at um, you look at Costa, which just got yeah. taken out. Like that was just an up and down. Very hard to predict. ride. Yeah, yeah, big time. Well, and you have
0: so. to throw back to the glory days of the 50s and 60s, don't you? Mm. Really? With the big... Ag companies and yeah.
1: seeing that investment there. Elders is one. Elders did well over the last 12 months. Yeah, and, that that's one I reckon. New Farm, Grain Corp. New Farm. Yeah, volumes grain have been corp. good for Grain Corp. Um, and, and, you know, they they rely upon volumes. Mm. Quality is good because the more quality, the better the volume. But, um, um, you know, when, when volumes are good. And we have had we had that period there a couple of years ago where we saw so much rain and flooding and that. Um, what a lot of people don't realise is a lot of that moisture stays in the ground for a number of years and that's what we're starting to see with Mm. crops now
0: Okay, that is Australian Agricultural Company let's round it out with Imugene, this one picked by Melissa, it is a clinical stage immuno-oncology company developing a range of new and novel immunotherapies and Francesco this is really hit and miss in this <laughs> sector isn't it um glad so, you said that yeah. well you know <laughs> advice trial after trial and yes. um look for the for the greater good of humanity fantastic but yeah, yeah, yeah it's a struggle isn't
1: it it is a struggle for investors but but um like you say you know you got to you got to throw money at it to to get the the solutions um i probably prefer to call it um these guys yeah Oncology drugs, uh, you know, they don't make any money. I think they're burning about hundred million a year. Yeah. I looked, so yeah. that's quite a lot of um, money burn I don't know how many um, products or or treatments they're working on. Uh, but there must be a few to be burning at that much cash. So I would, if you were going into something like this, you'd be expecting to contribute more money down the track because they would need to raise more money because they're not making anything at the moment. Um, yeah, look, it's a hard one. It's speculative. Um, yeah, one, one way I look at these sort of companies is if I go and, um, as an investor, go and donate money to the Cancer Council... Um, yes, I get my hundred dollar tax deduction or, or whatever it is I donate. Um, that's great. Um, or you can take your money and invest it in a company like this, and if it, if you get a capital loss, there's your tax deduction. Or if it comes off, which these companies need investment and continual investment. If it comes yeah. off, well, you're probably going to get a ten, twenty bagger out of it, maybe even more, depending on what they they're working on. So. I look at these sort of companies as, well, do I donate to the charities that are trying to work on this sort of stuff or donate to the companies that are actually doing the work? And that's one way of looking at it. But to me, highly speculative. I don't know enough about the treatments that they're working on and the success they're having. Uh, but you can see that little spike there in, in 2023. Um, they had some good results coming out of a phase one I looked at around that time. So that's that's potentially what can happen to your share price when some good news comes through. But you've got to be, yeah, the, the, it's a bit like a lottery ticket sometimes. So I, I, I no, not for me. <laughs> not for me at this stage. All right, Ben.
2: Yeah, it's not for me either. Um... As I think, I won't go over all of those points. The only things I'd add, so they've got 140 mil in cash, but they're in kind of phase one and two. They've got different, that's good. Like it's not an all all or nothing on one specific drug. They've got different things that they're bringing through the pipeline. But they're years away from getting through to phase three, the end of phase three. And that assumes that they're successful, which most aren't. Um, And then I look at the market cap of $800 million and say that that is
1: really testing the friendship yeah
2: that's high I mean it's an 11 cent stock but it's actually an 800 mil market cap a lot of of
1: shares in there there's
2: a lot of shares so um, not for me um, at all
0: all right and that's where we round it up with well yeah look um, worthwhile but um, it's a tricky one for investors isn't it all right let's uh, round it out the second half of the show then we began with uh, Genesis Energy Uh, In the renewable space, uh, Francesco say a bit of expensive no, also a no there from uh, Ben saying he does see better alternatives in that space. Dalrymple Bay infrastructure, it is a hold from both, uh, pointing out that it's a highly sought out um, after infrastructure, but it's one asset. So that's something to be aware of. Index in the mining services space, it's a buy from Francesco, uh, very positive on that and a hold there from Ben. Uh, Australian Agricultural Company, as we're talking about, the beef and cattle producer, a no from Ben, a hold from Francesco, and we ran it out there with him, Eugene. no from both. All right, that is the show. Uh, Thank you to our guest, Francesco. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure, Andrew. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. And Ben from Teemus Capital. Great, great to see you both. All right. And any stocks you'd like us to cover, go to osbizco forward slash Or you can write us on the platform x at osbiztv. Thanks for watching.
2: <laughs> Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts?